And it is episode 34 of the Kerrville Podcast. Mike Taylor here along with John Barrera. And I've been waiting on this one for a while. Mr. Stephen King is in the studio. Now, not the not the director or the uh, movie writer. Uh, he's actually uh, a better version than that version of Sting- Stephen King. Uh, he has King's Texas Smokehouse out at the Hunt Store. And he's done so much for the community over the years. I'm not just talking about recently. I'm talking about going back many, many, many years. Uh, Mr. Stephen King, uh, so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for joining us for the Curveville Podcast. Man, I'm excited to be here. It's a great honor to be with you guys and uh, just get invited out to talk about what we do and, and share a little bit. So let's go ahead and kick it off. What, what do you guys do out there? Uh, well, we have a, a smokehouse. We have two locations. King's Texas Smokehouse is a... Um, is a, a two location business one's in camp wood texas which is just uh near lake near lakey texas um and then the other one is that the hunt store we're a meat market um where we make all our own sausage jerky summer sausage ham bacon uh, we just specialize in smoked meats and then um from there we take those and use them on different kind of sandwiches make really large kind of sandwiches yeah they are gigantic um, portions too i'm talking like gigantic sandwich i'm not i'm not joking yeah they're like the hamburgers are like this big well and we we do that we try to combine those different meats so people can get different flavors and different meats and and create that combination we brew all our own sauce pour that over the top um and then just try to specialize and bring in something some texas hospitality uh to the business and uh, when we talk to the guys you know often there's a sign actually in in the kitchen it says if they don't say wow when you bring it out it's not big enough and so nice. I tell the guys, right. nice. like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> watch you guys out there. And, and I send the cooks out sometime. I was like, go out there and look, go out there and see that people are impressed with the food that you send out. Um, and it just builds pride and in, in, in their work and what they're doing. So uh, the guys that are building the sandwiches in the back, they often go out and they, you know, they get to interact with the customers because I want them to, I want them to be wowed when they go out there. Um, and if you can put out a great product and you can put out good customer service and being with people and supporting the community, I think you'll be a success. How important is uh, the pride an employee takes in, in your work, in uh, it, their work? It's everything. Um, you know, you go through as you open up a new location, you go through and you have, um, like at the Hunt Store, we inherited a lot of employees and it was the transition to getting everybody to adopt, hey, this is what we do. Oftentimes I'm walking by, I was like, are those kids fries? Um, and I'm having to ask that question. And those mm. guys, no, it's like, no, we need these portions to need to be right. And, and um uh, and that's something to be, that's awesome to be known for too, is having big portions when you go out there. Right. You and know, I, I've been to places before and I've, I've paid some, uh, pretty good, you know, little chunks of money mm-hmm. for food before. And then the food comes out and I'm like, Whoa, where, where's the rest of it? And no, that, that is the rest of it. Right. And it's not like you go back to Texas smokehouse. If, no, yes. I don't go back. I mean, why, gonna, why would I want to waste money? Yeah. If we're going to get a premium price, you need to put out a premium product and, yeah. and people need to come and, and expect that. And then my older crowd, they often will come in and split a sandwich, those kind of things. But I wanted to do something where if we're handcrafting this meat, we're handcrafting these sausages and we're taking the time to do that, where we're dry curing the bacon and it's hanging for four or five days before you smoke it. Excuse me. <clears throat> if you're doing that, then the customer wants to experience all of that and you might don't short them on it. Right, know? right. Give them the full experience. Give them what they came for. <clears throat> you know, that's yeah. Give them what they come for. Absolutely. That's, that's a really good way to look at things. Right. You know, if and that's a really good marketing tactic too because if you always give people what they're what they came for, they're going to come back for more. That's right. Yeah. Well, we don't do it perfect. There are mistakes that are made and and, and you know, in any, every service industry, you're trying to get the best product out. It doesn't always come out perfection. 
and you need to make that right when you do. And um, so I tell the guys, it's like, hey, do what it takes and make it right. So we try to we try to focus on that. Um, and that's and then, important too because that keeps your reputation at one hundred percent. Yeah. When you do that, you know, you, nobody's you, perfect. We all make mistakes, but but. It, it's the only business where your customer can walk out the door and it's not the only business, but it's a business where everybody feels like they're a food professional and a food critic. Yeah. So then if it's just not absolute perfection, they can walk out and give you a, a star review and that really affects your business. One it person's does. review affects your business huge. And I don't, every time I go to the gas station, I don't put in a ding if the place is dirty and, or if it's not, you know, perfect or if the trash can's not empty when i go well, to the, I kind of expect you know, that at you know, some gas station. <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. you know i mean there's just different places you go in different businesses where they don't get have that constant review and i think in a restaurant it's everybody feels like they need to be a reviewer um and so we need to meet that standard you know at each time i think the other important thing about our business is employee ownership um not literal ownership of the business but they own their area yeah um and it's trying to get that to where employees understand it's not um how do you say it? It's not owning a mistake, but it's owning the area. It's taking pride in the whole area. Like you own this studio. This is really where you are the most. And so you keep it clean. You keep it organized. You keep it functioning, going. You tell me what you need for it to make you a success, and I'll make you a success. And once your employees adopt that ownership of their area, you stay out of their way and let them do and make their craft that they do well. And they take pride in it. Right. And they own it. And it's like, um, you know, manual. that's manual sausage. Marcus is doing the the smoked mac and cheese. Nico's doing the ribs, and those guys own those those areas, and so and that helps with reputation as well because when they own those, then it's up up to them. And one of the hardest things I found just by listening to different business owners, we know we've had a lot come in here so far, and one of the things I've seen is is it's hard to find employees because a you know people don't want to work or b they don't want their reputation to get messed up by trusting their reputation to one of their employees. Well, I don't think that employees want to come in and just be told be a be a slave when they have yeah. ownership, you know, um, and they can develop a, you know, hey, I want you to taste this and try this. I, I was thinking about this idea and you're open to giving, taking those ideas and adding new things to to your menu that they've created and and going through when they have pride and they're like, hey, come check out these ribs. And the ribs came out perfection that day. Um, and saying, man, you're, you've got this, you're really learning it, you know, and it's just teaching. If you're constantly teaching and they're absorbing what you're teaching, then they take ownership and they've got a real skill that they can show off. And, and I think even in serving, um, you know, one of our guys, Johnny, he's relatively new showing some real pride. I said, Johnny, this porch gets ignored. I want you to own the porch. Now that's Johnny's porch. And so he takes care of the whole thing and does what, wow, that's you know, awesome. um, yeah. but but he takes care of it with pride. Like he'll, I'll walk out there. And I was like, man, that porch looks great today. Thank you so much. And it seems like something really small, but it's also something that um, they have that's theirs. Nobody's messing with it. Yeah. It's their chairs. It's their setup. They can design how, Hey, what do you think about the table flow? And they can rearrange it to make it how they think it'll work better. Um, so I think when you, so give, you, you kind of uh, aren't the biggest on <clears throat> micromanaging people. You let people do their thing. I try to, um, yeah. I'll point out when things aren't going great. Um, and when things, you know, there's times where you go back and you're like, Hey, let's talk about this. Let's go over the process one more time and let's look at it and how, you know, how are we going to season this? And, but it's, it comes down to, it's not, I don't think, uh, folks that work for me are ever doing something intentionally. Right. It's, just for, right. La it's for lack of knowledge. You know, they slice a brisket yeah. and the brisket slices. It, it really is dependent on how you slice that brisket on how it's going to turn out. 
There was a whole news story on that this morning. Oh, really? There's actually, they and at Texas A&M, they actually have a whole school right. for how to cut meat. Yeah, and they how do. How to barbecue in they Texas. <clears throat> Absolutely. It, crazy, Trinity, Trinity yeah. University has a barbecue team as well. And so if you cut it along the grain, you're going to have a really chewy product. It's not mm-hmm. going to go well. In Texas, your brisket needs to have, you know, the three shades. It's black on the top, black on the outside, and then it'll go to a ruby red, and then it'll go to a deeper brown or a tan. Um, and it's making sure we keep those. And how do you keep that that product consistent? And consistency is really where you're at because um, you're working with inconsistent inputs, which your meat's all different. Right, yeah. And then you've got to get it to a consistent product at the end. And so, you know, you can't treat everyone the same. And so... It's just getting that knowledge to them. Once they have that knowledge, then they get better and better at that craft. And if you teach it, a, you know, it's a, it's teaching as a craft. Order, supply, in, inputs and outputs. Ordering supplies. How do you balance your bottom line against what you need in inventory, against what you need in sales? And so all that has an effect. Um, but if somebody can own that area and you can show them the numbers where they're getting better and better and more efficient at it, then they own that area and you can take pride in that. So then, And that's going to teach them. You know, later on in life, how, how they can maybe one day do that as well and run a whole store by themselves. Yeah. Right. Always be developing your people because what I think of it as I'm developing all my future managers right now. Yeah. Even if they're in the dish room and you're developing those managers or you're giving even the high school kids that come in, you're giving them skills that if, hey, if you want to be number one in the, com- in the company, you got to be number one in the mailroom. That means you're efficient. You do it well. You don't, you Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever your job you're given. Yeah. And so you can, you know, those kids that do take pride and those people that do take pride, they can advance and move up and take ownership of other areas. Um, We've got a great high school student that works out there um, and he just took control of the spices one day and he organized the entire spice rack, said, this is going to work better. Great. You own it. Uh, Dish room, same thing, goes in, organizes the dish room, makes it flow even. And so it's just acknowledging those kind of things. Did it work? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to manage those people all the time because then they become self-managing and then they have pride and when you have pride as a group and your team prides then when you bring somebody new in um, you as the owner don't necessarily have to spend all your time training that person because the group takes such pride in their work they're not going to let somebody come in and be subpar and so you can raise the level of your business production through that does that make sense yeah yeah have you noticed have you noticed your method of training your employees gives them uh, better decision making like during times when you're not there yeah and so the ultimate goal is to work myself out of a job i start with hey these are all the tasks when we first open up i was running everywhere working 18 hour days doing everything um i'm still working you know when you own your own business you still work a lot you're always working and yeah. you're there but now i can trust that somebody else is going to can do the order on the food order and they they know what the pars are and a par is what your level is what's the average that you're going to use each week um, and I don't have to monitor all those little things, but as they take pride in it and they grow in that, then, um, yeah, it works less and less. And then when I find myself doing another thing consistently, like right now I'm setting up all the sound, I'm running sound and I'm doing that for all our live music. And so I need to teach somebody and develop them. All right. These are what inputs look like. This is outputs. This is where it's going. And you, you just explain the system and, and bring them up. They may be a sound guy in the future. They may work in radio in the future, but they came for a restaurant job. Now they're running sound. That's cool. Yeah. But it's teaching them that so that then again, I don't have to be there standing over them. I can just make small tweaks and encourage them. Please tell us about your live music. Oh man. We started live music at the hunt store. Well, we started at the camp wood store a few years ago, had great reception. We were doing it for the community. Just have something to do. People would bring their lawn chairs and come out. 
And then when we took over the when we took over <laughs> awesome. the, when yeah. we took over the hunt store because uh, we just built a stage and it's like all right there's a stage there's an oak tree play music under the oak and then the neighbors would ride up on their four wheelers because it's in a rear, really rural area um, but then when you go from there we went came to the hunt store where there's already a stage and some legacy laid down oh yeah there. yeah you know, long long legacy time at the hunt store yeah of great music Junior Pernate has been out there Billy Joe Shaver plays um, Gary P Nunn's played. And so it was like, man, we want to continue this tradition. As I talked to the people in Hunt, they were like, we want to bring music back. We want to bring music back. So I made it my goal to try to do that. Um, Ray Benson. Ray Benson's been out there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Sleep at the Wheel, Kinky Friedman. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, all these yeah. guys. I mean, all these Texas greats have, have played that stage. It's crazy. Yeah. And so this yeah. year we added some some upcoming Texas greats. Um, Aaron Lacombe's out there quite a bit. He's a friend of the store. And then we have some already established Texas. Josh and Christy Greider came out. Jason Eady, Courtney Patton, Adam Hood, John John Bauman, um, all those guys are coming out. And those are all the upcoming, you know, sort of Texas troubadour, longtime yeah. legend. That's your future Jerry Jeff and your, you know, those guys are really establishing themselves mm. in the Texas scene. And so it's trying to get people the chance to come out there, see that early, say, man, I remember when, you know, I have people come out and they're like, I remember when George Strait used to play out at this dance hall. And <laughs> Crazy. I wanted yeah. to have those memories that they made right here in their own hometown, yeah. in their community. Plus, we support local artists, local acts, and get those guys out there. Um, we're That's trying. a power move. It is, yeah. And, and, yeah, John and I talk a lot about power moves. It was you a know? really expensive power move. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, is, it does build that legacy, you know, and continue that legacy that the Hunt stores had for so long. I want to rewind a little bit, and, and I want to go back out to uh, King's Texas Smokehouse. Yeah. When, when did all that get started, and why did you start King's Texas Smokehouse? Out in Camp Wood. Um, that's going to lead into a whole bunch of stories, Mike. They, <laughs> I was in camping for about 20 years as a summer camp director. Um, and then I was getting a little older. The age gap starts to grow. When you start in camping and you're 21 and the staff are 21, you sort of grow together. And then you're 25 and you're the director and there's a closer gap. And then 27 and I worked up. By the time you're pushing 50, you've got a real disparity between the 18 year old 19 20 year old staff you're hiring and 50 year old and the relevance between there and i started to notice that over the years and that there was just a growing gap um and my effectiveness was getting a little less and i thought ah, it's probably time to go to pasture and retire and so one night i was um sitting up and just hanging out kicking dirt and i came across an ad that was a business for sale it said popular burger joint blah blah blah, blah. and i Knew the guy who had the business listed, Texas Business Buyers and Clint. Um, URA, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and so with Clint, I sent him over a quick text in the middle of the night, and I was like, hey, man, what's this business? And he immediately responds back, said, you're going to have to sign a confidentiality agreement. And I was like, okay, whatever. I just want to, yeah. you know, it's where you're snooping. You're like, I wonder what's for sale. I wonder, hey, that looks like so-and-so. And so you're just looking through the business. So ads. did you know the general area? <clears throat> Or did you know um, it was Campwood, or or how much did it you was, know at that point? It was Hill Country. This was a different place. So it was in the Hill Country. And so, long story short, um, I woke up the next morning, told my wife, and said, "Hey, I, I think I might have bought a restaurant last night." She said, <laughs> "A burger joint. I think I might have bought a burger joint last night." <laughs> just awesome. seeing, just to jerk her chain to see what she would say. And she's coming out, you know, after blow drying her hair, and she says, "Well." You've always wanted to own a burger joint. I don't see why you've always said you want to wait till you retire, but you're going to be too tired to do it then. So let's do it. Let's just see where God takes us. And we'll just tell you what, we don't have any money. And so we'll just walk through the doors until the doors close. How and important was that? How important was her support? hundred percent. Because I was just joking. I was like, I was just trying to get a rise out of her. When she said to me, um, 
hey, you've always wanted to do it. Let's just see where it goes. I was like, huh, well, this would be really cool. Um, so you took a leap of faith on this. Took a leap of faith. And was was that nervous? Were you, I mean, was it scary to take a leap of faith or not? Well, um, as the deal progressed and, and we started, we started walking through the doors. We had a meeting and then we start walking through the doors. And then it was like, well, let's get you in front of some people and you can pitch your idea to some investors. And then that got a little terrifying because now you're in front of guys and you're like, man, I don't even know if we can really pull this off. But, Shark Tank. You, just like Shark Tank, you're pitching to these guys, hey, I need yeah. this much money. And so um, we had a little bit of money in one of my retirement accounts. And so we added that with the investor money and then we put the deal together. And um, what most people don't know is you don't have, if a business is listed for a million dollars, the SBA requires 10% of that. And then Wow. You Man, that's a pretty good chunk of change. So yeah. that'd be $100,000. Yeah. Well, when you're coming up with, you got 30 there are people in this area that are investing in small business owners because they want you to be a success. If you have a track record as a good racehorse to bet on, yeah. and you're going to put in the sweat equity, then you put in that money and then those guys can come alongside you and they'll say, okay, I want Fill a certain, gap. I want a certain percentage. I'm going to put this cash up front. I get this certain percentage. I need to be paid off by this time. And you just work the, you can work out a deal. And so then you go into business and you didn't have a whole lot of input, but you're putting, you're willing to work your tail off and work your fingers to the bone to make sure those guys get their money back and you become a success. Is that what you did? Yeah. It's how much pressure was it from like saying, I have to perform for the investors and also perform for myself. How much pressure was that? It's a lot of pressure because you don't want to let guys who believed in you and who right, had faith yeah. in you down. You don't want to let your family down. And and what it was is I'd had a job where I had my housing. It came with housing. It was a salary. We had lived there for 20 years. And now I'm telling my kids, hey, uh, we're going to move and uh, we won't be here anymore. And I don't have a guaranteed income. And so we were out in the wind for a little while trying to figure this out. I mean, that's pretty risky. Yeah. At 47. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know, but you, it, it comes down to faith. It's it comes down there, to do i hear go. do i hear from see god the pattern? do i have faith yeah. in this do i do i does is this a place where we can go and it's turned into an absolute true ministry um but when we were coming to the close of the deal it was on october 31st we were going to close of 2017 and um we get to the closing and the owner of the re the business didn't show up oh after all this everything getting I, everything everything, everything i own is in a in a in a roll off in the front of my yard getting ready to move the next week we had purchased and staked out a place for a house um because we we're going to have to move in we we're just going to move into a double wide and um and then nothing and i had to go find them in a coffee shop in fredericksburg and it's like man i just don't know that i can sell and i was like oh my god i just i've just quit rearranged my, my whole life yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just quit my job moved and so we're now we're panicking and um and so then I go back <clears throat> and first thought is, oh my gosh, I got to call and get my job back right now. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe, you know. Yeah. And then I visited with my wife and she said, hey, listen, God wouldn't have taken us down this road if he didn't have something for us. And so we end up, um, I, I call Clint and I said, hey man, um, what else you got out there? He said, what do you know about meat? And well, it just happens because God orchestrates things. It just happens that that I had been a meat cutter through high school along while I was DJing in, on the weekdays and meat cutting on the weekend. And then I, in, and then in college I was meat cutting at Kroger and then working in college. And I grew I said, up around Kroger's man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I know I've yeah. been there and I know a lot of this. And so um, he said, well, let's go out. There's this, there's this meat market, but it's way out there in camp. What? 
I was like, I can't pull it. Okay, it's 80 miles. Can I drive an hour and a half a day? My commute every day for the first two years was an hour, an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. Three hours in the Whoa. car every day. You, you know what, though? That's probably the, one of the most scenic commutes you could ever have in your life, though. It I was, mean, yeah. It was awesome because I'd put every yeah. business book I could onto audio, and I just ate business books every day. I just more and more and more and more and more. Everything I didn't know, it's like, all right, let's find the book and let's listen to the book and then get better. And so, um, but we bought that business. It was, it was half the price. Um, investors were still on board. Um, and then we were able to build that business into equally successful to the one we were going to purchase. Plus, we got to brand it for ourselves. And we got the attention of the Hunt store um, during COVID. The Hunt store owner said, hey, how are you doing this? I was delivering meat boxes out to the Hunt store. I said, how are you doing this? And I said, well, we just had to change our, we just had to retool. And we had to go from restaurant to meat market to meat delivery service. And we retooled. I got the team together and said, hey, listen, this is how we're going to survive this. We're going to meet the need. There was a meat shortage and we can provide it. We can, we have access to it. Let's get it to the people. You adapted. We adapted. You got to adapt. <clears throat> so we just switched gears and overcame. Well, that drew the attention of the owner of the hunt store. And he said, hey, what'd you think about coming in and doing some of that here? And so we slowly talked. And then in, uh, I guess it was 19 or 20. And then in 20, in May of 2020, we yeah. took over the, the operations at the hunt store. And then she decided, all right, we've been out on a limb before. We've taken risks before. We've we've been nervous and anxious and ridden the roller coaster. Because when you buy a business or you're in a business, you're on a constant roller coaster. The money's up. The money's down. The money's way down. The money's going, okay, we're climbing. We're climbing. We're not more going down. And every day I would roll over in the morning and look at that bank account and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm filled with panic, anxiety, do? dread. What are we going to do? And And eventually God teaches you, hey, you can rely on me. And don't look, you're not relying on what that number says and just be at constant peace. And so that constant peace has really changed things. It's like, okay, hey, we're down. You know, my employees will tell you, I still worry a lot. I still look at it because we're not, you know, you would think with the success, we're still in the growing, building brand new phase. And so, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of money lost. We lost a lot of money on live music. And so it's like, how do we adapt to that? Came to talk to Leslie here at the radio station um, Jam Broadcasting helped me out on that. And Leslie said, man, what you need to do is you need to get some sponsorship out there. And here's some yeah. people that would be good sponsors. And so now we're getting partners in the community that are partnering with us that are invested in live music. There you go. Invested yeah. in the Hunt store. Um, Shriner was one of the first ones to come on. They're, they're amazing. Shriner. Casa, yeah. Casablanca came on and, and Eddie Matthews at Casablanca they're awesome came too, yeah. and said, yeah, he came and said, hey, man, what's up with live music? I said, I don't know if I can keep doing this. We've probably, we've lost a ton of money on this because- when your net profits for the day over your weekend, if you're Friday, Saturday, if those net profits go out to a band, you've made nothing on your busiest days of the week. And so it's like, okay. So how do you change that? Um, you get sponsorships to come alongside you and they want to support that. And Eddie was like, hey, we'll pay for a show. Like, well, that'd be cool. And so now I've got different people that are coming alongside us to make sure we keep that music going and helping us out with some of that so that, the business can survive their business can our business can survive their business can be promoted and we can still provide uh, free of charge music to the community that's amazing it really and, is and it, it shows it's another testament of overcoming right. adapting and overcoming and always finding a way no matter what you're just going to stand up no matter what no matter what pressure's on you and beating you down it's like there's got to be a way and you just get that wisdom and figure out okay how do we make a way um and that's where we that's how we got to employee ownership is like 
there was a time this summer when staff shortages were going on. We're yeah. overwhelmed with business. 2021 was harder than 2020. 2020 didn't have many customers and you needed to get product out to them. 2021, you have a ton of customers and you have no way to get the product to them because you don't have the staff or whatnot. And um, we just started meeting and talking. It's like, man, how can we get really people invested in being being on the team? And you have to change. The way to do that is you have to change the culture of your company. And we changed the culture of our company to, hey, we're going to be working with people. We're working with employees. Those guys are are really a top priority. And how do we make them um, feel important, feel involved, not just feel, but be important, be involved and come together. And so now we meet as a group, they'll talk through different issues. And then we put up, how do we solve that issue? And that solves a lot of communication issues too. You know, a lot of companies out there, they have, they have weak communication. You know, and they, they don't meet, they don't discuss issues that are going on and, and nobody ever knows and the issues continue. You can't ever get to the root cause of an issue unless you say it. It, ha- it has to come out, yeah, you know, to get to right. the root cause, yep. you know, and it sounds like that's what you guys are doing out there and people are able to get those root issues of what's going on and any issues that there might be. And once you get those out in the open, you can discuss it, come up with a plan and eliminate that issue. Yeah, there was a book called EOS. Uh, employee operating system that we picked up and that little EOS it's a there's a employee one that's just about a I don't know it's a few hours to read it um, but it goes through and it helps you identify okay what are our core values after our yeah. core values what employees what you know how to what are employees and then each employee has what's called a rock um, which means hey over the next few next 90 days I'm going to try to solve this issue and so we identify what the issues are there's a bottleneck at this spot. Okay. Well, how can we make it? How do we get that bottleneck? How do we get rid of that bottleneck? And let's say it's getting dishes from the dining room to the dish room for the dish guy. You know, there's a bottleneck there where they're piling up. And so it's like, okay, what, what are different ways with the staff we have that we can solve and figure that issue out? And so everybody collectively is like, well, we don't have to do this and we don't have to do that. Well, then you're getting buy-in from each person. It's like, oh, I could stack the trays better. And that's important because that's how we're, you know, we don't and it fills in those puzzle pieces, right? They yeah. fill in the puzzle pieces themselves. And then as you go as a group, it's like, okay, team, good. And let's do this. And so we go. Um, and I think that's a big, big part of it is if they're solving problems versus you saying a command and being like, scrape out all the dishes. Right. Uh, right. It's disheartening. It's a lot easier when it's somebody else's idea to get them to do something than when it's your idea. It is. Right. That's a good yeah. statement right there. I mean, it's, it's just the truth. You know how, you know, it is. Uh, back to adapting and overcoming, I just want to throw in the Wright brothers for a second. Yeah. You know, and their first flight, uh, their first flight was not their first attempt. They had to keep tweaking that airplane and trying different things over and over and over before they finally w- were able to take a flight on that plane. And then one of them fell off the plane, right? Is that right? I don't know. You I, don't know. I, don't, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, it, it, it wasn't easy, you know, and, and nothing that, that's great comes easy. No, and adapting has been one of those things that we've done for, in my career, we did it for 20 years because I started at the Texas Lions Camp, and that's children with physical disabilities and diabetes. And that entire camp is about adapting. It's adapting over what your physical, what you see, it might be a physical limitation. If you're missing a limb or if you can't see, can you still shoot a bow and arrow? Absolutely. Um, how do we adapt that? Oh man, you're right. Um, it's all about how do we, empowering. <clears throat> how do we overcome that? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so then as a group, you think, okay, how are we going to do that? Well, they're here. They hear well. So let's put the a beeper on the target behind the target so they can hone in on that. And then the, the camper that can't see can hone in. You teach them the proper form. And now they're hitting that target over and over again. It's okay. Well, how do we pull this bow back when we don't have, 
you know, limbs. And so, well, we can do it with the feet. Can you hold the bow here? And, and you wow. can adapt those things. It's climbing incredible. wall. And so when you see 10,000 children come through camp over that career, probably more, you're, you're figuring out, it's like, man, okay, all things are possible. And so that's what we, that's what we're trying to do. Um, is it easy? No. Is it, you know, my, my kids, my wife, uh, my employees will tell you, man, he's worried all the time, but it's trying to be at peace consistently. So listening yeah. to you, uh, you're, you're, it's very inspirational listening to you because, uh, I, I see it and I feel it off your energy, your, your beliefs. And, uh, who do you follow? Who, what do you read? Who do you listen to? Um, yeah, there's a guy named Mike McCallowitz. I'll be on his podcast on the um, we're going to record that on the 25th of October. Um, Mike McCallipowitz started off and he's written a series of books. One, the first one is the toilet paper entrepreneur, great book. And it was like, man, if you're down, when you have a big role, you just, you get a big handful and you, right, you get a little right. liberal when you're down to the end of the roll. <laughs> like, That's an analogy. <laughs> when you're down to the end of the roll and, and That's so great. Yeah. And, and your <laughs> pants around your ankles, you, you figure out a way. Yeah. And so he's like, run, run lean. And he, and that taught me how to run lean. And then his next book was the pumpkin patch and the pumpkin patches. If you want to grow a giant pumpkin, um, you got to cut off a few of the little pumpkins. And so it's about focusing on what your core is. If your core, Ooh, that's if good your core too, yeah. is the giant pumpkin, then you can't keep all these little offshoot things going that are eating up your time. And so that, that really helps us to focus. Right. Yeah. Because when you're in a restaurant, you know, it's like, you ought to put this on your menu. You ought to put that. We want, you should try this. You should try that. And you can come up with ideas all day long, but we need to stick with what our core is and what our core values are. So the people get what they came for. <clears throat> right. And if yeah. you're always introducing new things, I think that, you know, that how do you shows. balance that with adaptation? You, you slowly, you can add a special and if that special catches on, um, like right now there'll be a new jam burger coming out. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got a jalapeno jelly on it. And when Marcus told me about it, I was like, bro, no way. Uh -uh. And then he brought one out and he's like, man, this is a burger that Elvis loved. And I was like, all right, let me try it. And then the next day I was thinking about that burger. And so it's like, all right, let's run it as a special and see if it catches on. <laughs> and so, um, I think we're going to call it uh, jam out or yeah, I'm, I'm not I, sure. I like the jam burger personally. Yeah. yeah just like I, I can just imagine, <laughs> you know saying? Hey, go out to King's Texas smokehouse. You just want yourself a jam burger. Right. You know, jam I mean? broadcast. Yeah. Right Send a view away. Yeah. And I told him, I said, this will play well off of, off with jam broadcasting or radio advertising. Yeah. It, it, it gives them, buys them with them. Oh, it's hot jam. That's the name of the burger. Hot jam. Hot jam. I like hot it. Jam. Yeah. Hot jam. Uh, hot jam. And yeah. so, um, Marcus, you know, and, and when he brought it to me, I was like, Ugh. it was, this was last Friday. I was like, no way. That sounds disgusting. Sweet on a burger. And he's like, just try it, man. Oh, it's but amazing. same thing with the smoked chicken, mac and cheese. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of faith in that, you know, but the guys can create and they can come through with something. And when they put it in there, it's like, wow, if it makes me go, wow. And I've tasted a lot of food from my physique, you can tell. Um, then it's like, all right, let's roll it. Let's try it. And if it catches on and you get some orders for it, then you, you find out what's not working on the menu and roll that one off and then add your new, new product on. But Had you not given them that much uh, responsibility and uh, do you think they would have come up with that? Um, Cause you give them a lot of ownership. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Marcus is a, our, our, our main guy in Camp Wood is very creative. And then over in hunt, we've got uh, Doug and Manuel and, and they can come up with new sausages and Doug introduced a brisket enchiladas over there. 
And then once again, I was like, man, I don't know, enchiladas, that doesn't really fit with our theme. But now he's selling out every week. He's selling out when he wow. runs that as a special. And that was just a way. It's like, man, we have a lot of chopped brisket. What can we do with this? And how can we move it? And he's brisket like, enchiladas? Let's make some smoked brisket enchiladas. <laughs> wow. And so. Texas. Now that's, yeah. that's that, caught on. You can't on. get right. more Texas than that. <laughs> right. And so, and so that it, you know, that just gives that opportunity. So, and then um, from there, there's a, this employee operating system. Um, the, oh, there's just a lot of different guys to listen to and, and follow. So. All right. Uh, we are at the uh, 32 mark here on this podcast already. Fast. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the, you know, when they're really great, I mean, they just they fly by. All right. So um, if you were to give advice to anybody out there looking at starting their own business, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, that you, you know, you worked at a place for many years yeah, and you years. became an entrepreneur and it hasn't been that long since you became an entrepreneur. Right. Anybody else who's in that situation, what advice would you give to them? If you have that bug and it's internal into you, um, and I had that for many years, we tried different little things over the years, um, and it just wouldn't seem to go away. And so I think finally my wife is like, okay, he goes all in on everything he does uh, for, for a brief period of time with golf and whatnot. But he goes all in. <laughs> he goes all in. Um, she's like, you, he's, he's not going to give this up, and I don't want to spend my retirement in the back of a greasy kitchen, so I better, let's let him loose. But my advice would be um, – you don't have to have it all put together right now. When the key to my success was the Texas business buyers and Clint. Um, Cause I went to see Clint as a, it's sort of a spoof my wife and he's like, come meet with me. And my wife and I are like, okay, whatever we're broke. So here we go. I mean, you've been in camping, you're not getting rich. Um, but yeah. I had done some due diligence and putting some stuff away. And, and he's like, what do you have in retirement? We talked about it. And he's like, we could roll that over into the business and, and there's different there's different tools and methods. And then what I didn't realize, it's like this big secret is there are investors out there that have assets and they're like, man, what am I going to do with this? I want it to grow. Yeah, they but want I, their money to work for them. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. And so if they can buy a little piece in all these small businesses, that's constant. That's money and income that can be there or they're growing in equity or something. And so the guys that bought in at my business, let's say they had 10 percent when we started, they had 10 percent of a. a and then we've grown probably three times that amount. Now their equity is worth three times of what they put in in a three-year period. And that's awesome. So yeah. they've tripled their money in their, in their equity. So ultimately, when we sell, they've got retirement assets in the sale of that business. Or if we can start, we'll start paying out dividends based on eventually. Right now, we're still paying back their, their funds. And so my thing is, there's a way. Um, and I feel like it's a big secret that you've got to be really wealthy to roll in and buy another business and, and buy a business. You don't, you need a good broker, um, somebody who can help you put it together. And then now, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be an advertisement for, for, for Clint. No, Clint's, I mean, I do, Clint's, an, awesome, but, Clint's an awesome guy. And, and if, I mean, if Clint's helping people like that, send everybody out there, go to no, Clint. Seriously. That's no, what this is about. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Clint for, for a while now. Clint's an awesome guy. It, it, I mean, he it, really is. It was it, one of those where Clint's like, man, it's possible, but it's a secret. It's, it's not a secret, but it, you don't realize that there's guys out there that want to invest in you and they want somebody that has a, a proven track record and you're a hard worker. And they're like, Hey, okay. Yeah. I'll jump in on this with you. Yeah. Um, they're taking a huge risk. You could lose their cash, but um, you know, that certain amount of cash to you might be your whole entire life fortune. And to some people that are investing, it's, just a drop it's in the like, bucket. Hey yeah. man, I mean, yeah, it's like, it'd be the difference of me writing a hundred dollar check to you. And you know, it's just, a, it's a different variable. And so for them, they can take a, a, a measured risk and then you just follow up with them. And I write them a letter each month saying, Hey, this is where we're at. This is the issues we've run into. And I just give them an update. 
State of the Union address every month. So, man, man, that is so cool. All right, uh, John, do you have anything else? I got uh, one more a, question. What a great yeah. podcast! It, it really is. It's so much value, and thank you so much. Um, happiness is to you. Is it a destination or is it a mindset? What is happiness to you? Man, that's a... And are you happy? I've struggled with that for years um, because I've always thought happiness is a destination and someday I'm going to get there and someday I'm going to get there and someday I'm going to get there. And even even buying in 2017 when we got the business, um, within, by the next December, we started in March and by December, my wife was in Clint's office saying, just sell it. I don't know. <clears throat> I get choked up. She's yeah. like, my husband's going to work himself to death. So... And she knew the sacrifices we were making and I had to decide then, okay, I can't, I can't maintain this for, for life. Um, and I'd written myself a note that said, <clears throat> I just entered into a 20 year prison sentence that I have no way out of without letting everybody down. Um, sorry. No. It's okay. So that's why I had to make the decision of, I've got to be happy for today. And I've got to do everything I can today. But when I get home, today stops. And my family is the most important. Amen. And my kids and my God and my church. Because you get to a point where, as a business owner, it will consume you. Um, and it's all your time. And it wasn't until, golly, we just got back from vacation. And it was probably the first vacation, I've, second vacation I've taken um, over the last three years. And then, and that's what motivated me. It's like, man, I've got to get my freedom back and I've got to get the enjoyment of life back. And so that's what ended up with employee ownership. And that's what drove us to our operational success is I need a break. Wow. So I've got to get other people to own all these jobs that I'm doing and I can't make every decision. And I think when you break that mold of I'm, this business is relying on me, it's on my shoulders and you spread that out to the other people and you rely on them, that's given me so much freedom. And that's just happened in the last three months um i got it with my camp wood store and now we're getting it with the hunt store where it's like okay let's offload the shoulder yeah i don't have shoulder. to do everything anymore it take the bag off and let right. somebody else have the ownership yeah is right. it working is it more yeah oh man it's the it's the best it's why i'm able to be here right now and that phone's not going crazy and and ringing off the wall and and it's why i'm able to now what i've done is being able to transition and i can transition now i'm focusing on sponsorship and making it success now i'm focusing on Hey, what are our numbers and what are we getting? Now I can do product development. Now I can do the promotion advertising. Now I can come be part of the chamber and do things we need for the far out future while yeah, guys are pay, paying attention to the needs of the immediate future. I'm still very active in all the businesses and I'm there every day and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seen, but my role isn't, um, you know, I was frying power washing floors, cleaning out yeah. sewer pipes, uh, you know, doing, doing everything, cleaning the vent hood, uh, trying to repair doorknobs and it's just like man and I, my guys are standing around me like man we could do a lot of this and so it's just uh, giving that to somebody thank you mr king you're welcome stephen king king's texas smokehouse and the hunt store thank you so much for coming in today man it was an honor thank you for having me and that's going to go ahead and wrap up episode 34 of the curveville podcast we have allison boucher thursday from k-pub she'll be in here and look forward to talking with her on Thursday, you can get this at CurvillePodcast.com. You can also get this at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, and more. Uh, Facebook, also, we have a Facebook page, YouTube channel as well. And make sure you share this with somebody that you think might need to hear it or want to hear it. 
that's going to go ahead and wrap this up. John, you got anything else before we get out of here today? No, just, thank you so much. Really, yeah, was that was a you. really good podcast. <laughs> that was phenomenal. 